0: Well, day, EV Knight, uh, happy Father's Day to you as well if you're a dad who's joining us watching along tonight. A shout out to Kirsty as well who just read the Bible for us, she got engaged the other week to Josh as well so that's good news. Uh, Formo, All Right, I gotta confess mate, I wrote that question about when should my son move out of home. <laughs> my, my oldest boy's eight so I didn't really need that advice, I just wanted to troll Formo but his dad answered like really kind of like quite seriously, I was like that's interesting helpful advice but I was just trying to tease you but anyway. Happy Father's Day, it's been a good time. Uh, let's pray and we'll get into the Bible together, let's pray. Our oh, Father God, we, we thank you for the very privilege it is to be able to call you Father God tonight. We pray now as we come to your good Word, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the truths you have in it uh, for us. Father, we pray that you would do a mighty work among us tonight. Encourage us, stir us up, bring comfort where comfort is needed, bring challenge where challenge is needed. Uh, Lord, uh, some of us, we we don't know You, we feel far from You and we pray that tonight You'd be drawing people to Yourself and revealing Yourself to them. Uh, Please Lord, stir us up by Your Word. Amen. What's your name for Dad? Maybe if you wrote a Father's Day card today, I wonder what you would have written on that card. Dear father, that's nice and formal, isn't it? Or dear dad, it's a bit closer. To the old man. Uh, dear Jeff. It's always rough when, you, when you're a dad and you get called by your first name. Uh, and, and grandfathers, the names, are, there's a million names you could have written to a grandfather. Dear pa, dear pop, dear poppa, dear poppy, dear pappy. Dear grandpa, dear grandpappy, dear granddaddy. There's a million things you could say to a grandpa and that's not even going into different ethnicities. Luke over there is like, i got all the Italian names. There's so many different names you could call it grandpa. Uh, what you call someone says a lot about where you stand with them. Now people who don't know me, if they read my name off a sheet of paper, they'll read out Jonathan. <laughs> and I'm like, who's that? Ugh. Um, if I'm in trouble, my mum will call me Jonathan McEwan. Uh, people who know me call me Jono. What about God? How do you approach the God of the universe? On what terms can we come to Him? What do we call Him? What do we call the God of the universe? Now, in the Old Testament part of the Bible, God is consistently seen as one who is holy, separate. uh, He's the mighty judge, He's He's one who is rightly to be feared. His people in the Bible call Him the Lord God, uh, Yahweh. That's His covenant name with them. His name means, I am who I am. I'm the great I am. I'm existence in and of itself. God's name is defined in relation to Himself only. He is who He is in the Old Testament. That God's not someone that you can just kind of waltz up to and wander into the presence of. He's holy. He's unapproachable. His name tells us that so. And then, in in the New Testament, it's as if Jesus kind of walks along and he drops an absolute bomb (laughs) he drops this ridiculous thing Jesus teaches people to call God our Father in heaven when you pray to God he says you say our Father in heaven the Christian name for God is Father God that's meant to be mind-blowing it's meant to sound radical that you can call the God of the whole universe father now here's the thing the new testament the arrival of jesus doesn't erase the old testament make no mistake this is the same god of the old testament god didn't turn into a fluffy kitten when jesus suddenly turned up he still is holy (laughs) he still is the great i am the mighty judge of the universe but while all that's still true the uniquely christian privilege Is that we can call that God Father. That is incredible. Now tonight if you're new to these things, maybe you're a dad who as Stu said, like Stu was a few years ago, who's been dragged along by your kid, come and check out church. And maybe you're a son or daughter who's been dragged along by by dad. Uh, If you're new to these things, tonight my hope for you is that you'll discover this privilege and claim it for yourself. To be able to call the god of the universe your heavenly father now if you're someone who's known jesus for a long time then my prayer for you tonight my hope for you is that you will rediscover how incredible it is that you can be a christian who calls god your father god now we're going to do this uh, by looking at a pretty famous part of the bible that was read out just a minute ago by kirsty it's the parable of the prodigal son the the runaway son my hope is that we'll be blown away that we can be brought into relationship into the family of God into our father in heaven's relationship now here's the first foundational thing that you need to see in this passage if you've got a bible open it up there but here's the incredible thing number one we are all runaways from our creator God have a look at verse 11 Jesus is telling a story with a, a meaning in mind verse 11 Jesus continued There was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate and so he divided his property between them now do you get what that son's asking of his dad when do you get your inheritance when your parents die (laughs) he's saying dad i really can't wait for all of that i can't wait for you to die i just want my money now can we speed this whole thing up give it to me now i want to go and enjoy my life without you in the way It's a harsh way to approach your father but the dad gave him what he wanted and so verse 13 he heads off with his money not long after that the younger son got together all that he had the inheritance he'd been given and he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living he wastes all of it it's as if he's done like a year-long you know, school his trip on the Gold Coast or something like that. There's parties and drinking, wild living it says. He's having the time of his life but it doesn't last. It all comes crashing down because look at verse 14. After he'd spent everything, it's all gone, there was a, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. The money runs out and so the fun runs out and the food runs out. And then things go from bad to worse. Look at how bad it gets. Verse 15. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. (laughs) Now that's a bad job in general, but for a Jewish man, that is a particularly insulting job. And you can see how bad it gets. Verse 16. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He's there watching pigs eat their dinner, and he's looking at it going, gee, that looks good. I'm so hungry. I would love some of what they've got for dinner right over there. He's in a bad way. <laughs> he's far from home. His money is gone. His stomach is empty. He's all alone. And now as you hear all that, remember, this is, a, this is what's called a parable. It's a story with a meaning that we're meant to be able to get. This is a story that's actually about us. <laughs> Particularly, it's actually a story about you and about God. God is like the Father in this story and we're the runaway. Now, in what sense is that true? In what sense is that true of all of us? Well, to get this, you need to see that the Bible actually pictures us as children of God in at least two ways. First, in the general sense, all people are this Father God's good creation. In the same way that an earthly father, as Stu pointed out earlier tonight, can bring life into the world with a lot of help from a mother, I might add, well God is the father, the creator of all people. He gives life to everyone. I check out this verse up on the screen there. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6. It says, "For us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live." Picks up two things. Number 1, he created all things, and number 2, therefore we should live for him. We owe him everything. We should do that. Acts chapter 17. Uh, Paul is preaching to some people in a place called Athens and they don't know who God is but he wants them to know who their God is and he tells them about this God who's made them and he says, uh, For in Him, in this God, we live and move and have our being, our very existence is from Him. As some of your own poets have said, he's now quoting some of their own writers, we are His offspring all of us every single person on the face of the planet is the offspring of this God there is a real creator who made you your very existence is all thanks to him and like a father not only does he give life he sustains life with his good gifts one more verse James chapter 1 verse 17 talks about this it says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, the Creator, who does not change like shifting shadows. This world we live in, is it, it, full of really good stuff that we get to enjoy, isn't it? Now, COVID's put a bit of a dampener on that, but in general, holidays, they're just around the corner. Springtime has come, winter's gone. The sunshine that was out there today, I hope you got to enjoy it. Friends and family, dads on Father's Day, wombie Beach, takeaway, eaten in the sun mangoes when they're in season surfing bike riding games parties music your dog whatever it is you name it if there's something good in this life that you enjoy that's a good gift from our heavenly father good gifts from our creator god but here's the crazy thing here's what every single one of us has done with those gifts we love the life that god gives us (laughs) we love the good stuff that he gives us to enjoy We love His creation, but we fail to love the Creator Himself. It's what the Bible calls sin. It's something that all of us are guilty of, all of us, you and me. We don't love God as we should. And here's the other crazy thing. It leaves us, sin leaves us broken and messed up. Just like the sun in this story, uh, it, it may be fun for a little while. God's creation is pretty good there's a lot to enjoy but here's the thing when all we do is take God's good stuff and ignore the giver it never satisfies it's exactly what Leon said in his story that we saw before there's always something missing no matter how much fun you have no matter how much stuff you get no matter how much you enjoy it's never enough now, aside from COVID, in the last couple of years did you know that in general the last decade or so in australia has been some of the best years you could have ever lived on our planet in one of the best places here in australia we have more money better entertainment people are living longer better medicine better opportunities it, it's been some of the best years you could have lived on the face of this planet but still people are less happy than ever before Anxiety and depression, even before COVID, were at an all-time high. We have more, know more, enjoy more, but for some reason, it's never enough. Because here's the thing, you weren't just made to enjoy God's good gifts, you were made to enjoy Him, to know your Father God, to have a relationship with Him. And so, while ever we keep running away from Him, it'll never be right life without God is what you were made for and so here we come to the second part of the story how does God respond to runaway children how would you expect God to respond to people who reject him well I don't know if you saw this but did you notice that there's actually two sons in this story one who runs away and another son who stays home and the son who stays home he turns up later on at the end of the passage which we didn't read verses 28 to 30 He has one idea about how God should treat runaways and his idea is basically is that God should just give them what they deserve. He he, he says to his father at the end of this passage, he says, why should you take this loser back? What are you doing having him back? His idea is that God should give people what they deserve. God should leave people in the mess that they make for themselves, which would at least be fair, wouldn't it, if that's how God treated a runaway. Well, is that what God's like? There's a second son. He has another idea. His idea is that perhaps somehow, maybe, runaways can earn their way back. He thinks to himself, maybe I can earn my way back into dad's good books. Have a look at verse 17 to 19, or listen to this. Uh, The son is in a terrible spot in the fields. And when he came to his senses, he said, Well, how many of my father's hired servants? have food to spare and here I am starving to death. So here's the idea, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, make me like one of your hired servants. Do You see the plan? I don't deserve to be your son, let me come and work for you, let me earn my way back, I don't deserve to be treated as a son, maybe I can earn it. And maybe that's how you think about coming back to God. Perhaps you hear all the things we've talked about tonight and you go, yeah, I've stuffed it, I've ignored God, that's all true. And you go, right, I need to fix it. I need to be good from now on. I'm going to get myself into God's good books by doing it myself. I can do it. Well, you know what? Both Both of the sons in this story, they get it wrong. And they're both wrong because they underestimate God's love. Here's the second insane thing to see in this passage tonight. God's heart for all of us is that we would be adopted back as his children. Have a look at verse 20. The son's on his way. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son gets out his speech that he wrote earlier the son said to him father i've sinned against heaven and against you i'm no longer worthy to be called your son but it's almost as if the father interrupts before he could finish and then so verse 22 but the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet bring the fattened calf and kill it let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again he is he was lost and is found And so they began to celebrate. That is a crazy welcome for this runaway son. This is ridiculous, outrageous, amazing love. And friends, here's the thing, (laughs) that's the welcome that God gives runaway sinners when they come back to Him. This is the welcome that God wants to give you, if you would come back to Him. But how does that work? Because remember, we said at the start that the arrival of Jesus into our world doesn't suddenly turn God into a fluffy kitten as if He doesn't care about sin anymore. The New Testament doesn't cancel out the the God of the Old Testament. He's the same God. The God pictured in this story here is the same God who is holy and righteous and powerful, who will not tolerate sin. He's the judge of the universe. And so how can that God just welcome back rebellious children who've terribly rejected Him. Well, here's how it works. A Christian is someone who, in a sense, is doubly a child of God. First of all, like we've already said, all of us, every single one of us, no matter where you stand with God, are created and provided for by God like a loving Father. This is all of us, which is why it's so heinous when we reject Him. But second, a Christian is uniquely someone who is adopted into the family of God, adopted to now be called a child of God, not simply created to enjoy what He's made, Christian adoption into the family of God means being brought relationally into the family of God, so that you're now in perfect relationship with your loving Heavenly Father. Now the New Testament, other parts of the Bible, show us how this is possible and the key is Jesus jesus is the grounds for our adoption into the family of god a couple more verses galatians chapter 4 it pitches people as those who are to begin with outside of christ uh, caught under the law compelled to obey it and because they can't guilty of it Uh, and then galatians chapter 4 verse 5 here's what jesus does but when the time had fully come god sent his son jesus born of a woman born under the law keeping it perfectly to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus comes and it says that He redeems us, He buys us back, He, He pays for our sin at the cross, He died the death that we deserve so that we can be freed, redeemed, redeemed from the obligation to keep the law, redeemed from our sin and our guilt and so instead of punishment, That verse right there says that we receive adoption to sonship, men or women, the rights of a child of God. That's the greatest treasure and it's achieved for us at the cross. And it's for those particularly who would believe in Jesus. One more verse, John chapter 1 verse 12, it says, talking about a world that's rejected Him, and it says, yet to all who did not receive Him, or to those who believed in His name, in Jesus' name, He gave the right to become children of God. It's through belief, through trust in Jesus. Throwing yourself on the mercy of God, forgiveness comes. Adoption into the family of God. And it's the same thing that we saw with the son in the story, isn't it? He didn't obey his way back, he didn't earn it. And just like this son, we come and we throw ourselves on the mercy of a loving Heavenly Father who's made a way through the Lord Jesus. And did you notice as well that in the passage that was read out, the benefits of coming back into the family of God, well it's pictured as a family, It's a feast, I won't say family feast because you'll think of KFC or something, but it's a, it's a family feast together, restored relationship, enjoying wonderful food together. Which is so helpful I think, it's a really helpful picture because so many people have far too low a picture of what it means to be a Christian what's on offer if you decide to become a Christian? Because becoming a Christian is so much more than just escaping hell, avoiding punishment. Yes, our sin means we have a problem, we'll face judgment without Jesus, we need forgiveness, that's true, but the Christian life doesn't just begin and end at forgiveness, punishment avoided, as amazing as that is, that's not all there is to it, because the great prize of Christianity is actually God Himself coming into the family of God as a child of God. Listen to these words, this is a wise guy, a wise man, a J.I. Packer, he's talking about the treasure of Christian adoption. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, ask them how much thought they have of being God's child, of having God as Father. If that's not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers and their whole outlook on life, it means that they do not understand Christianity very well at all. The Christian joy, the Christian treasure is the feast with God, being brought into the family of God, having Him as your Father. Here's the last thing I want to do with us tonight. I want us to catch how good this is. I want us to see how good it really is because if you are a Christian, if you become a Christian, what are the benefits of being a child of God? Now in this passage it's pictured as a feast but what's it going to look like in real life for us? Well the benefits are many, in fact I think it's kind of the paradigm that you live your whole Christian life through uh, but I want to highlight three incredible benefits for us. Number one, a child of God has confidence of God's love for them. 1 John, chapter, 1 John 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Being called a child of God means you can have absolute confidence of God's love for you. It's a profound demonstration of His love that He's made you His child and it's a guarantee into the future that He will treat you as His child, as His loved one. And so never again can we doubt the love of God. We're His child, He is our Heavenly Father, so His love is secure. It's not up and down on the waves of how you're doing in life and how you're going and impressing God. No, no, it's secure because of your position as a child of God. Second, a child has confidence in prayer. I love this verse, this is Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talking about prayer and He says, well which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Which is a pretty funny image, can I have a fish, Dad? He's a snake. Uh, and He says, well if, if you then, who are evil, know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Do you see the privilege now of prayer? if you're a child of God when you pray it's not to some aloof far-off uninvolved uncaring God you're his child he loves you he wants what's good for you and he has the power to bring what's good for you Now, this isn't some crazy blank check that God will just give you everything you ask for in prayer if I gave my children everything they asked for that would make me a terrible dad But I do love them. (laughs) I want to give them good gifts. How much more our Heavenly Father. Prayer is amazing. Number three, a child has confidence of their future inheritance. This is the conclusion that Paul comes to back in Galatians chapter 4, which we read from earlier. He's just explained that Jesus is the grounds for our adoption and here's where it lands. He says, and so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child... God has also made you an heir you have an inheritance a future family inheritance now the rest of the Bible that out for us it's glory in heaven shared with Jesus sharing in his glory and of course the ultimate treasure of heaven is God himself you you get to be with him and experience the fullness of what that means in heaven and your future is secure that is where you are headed if you're a child of God heaven will be our good home For all eternity. Now it could be that some of you hear all of this, trying to process the things you're seeing in the Bible tonight, and you hear this idea of God as Father and actually for some of you, for many of us, that's actually really hard to picture because it could be that your experience of earthly fathers is not good. (laughs) You might even be like, what's a good dad? I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, if that's you, I want to assure you, being able to call God your Heavenly Father is a treasure no matter what your experience has been of earthly fathers as hard as it might be to picture it is a treasure I have I've got a couple of stories um, from people here at at EV night uh, that reflect on our varied experiences of our earthly fathers uh, but the constant treasure of knowing God as our Heavenly Father let me give them to you story number one I haven't always had a great relationship with my dad for most of growing up it was strained and painful my, my parents split up when i was really young and i don't have many memories of them together but the ones i do aren't nice i don't know what it's like to have a safe and supportive relationship with dad i deeply longed for a good relationship with him i remember one time as a young kid crying on the front steps of my house because dad had left to go back to his house it felt like dad was always out of reach And I remember never being able to fully rely on him. There were countless broken promises scattered throughout my childhood. Sometimes I'll see friends with great relationships with their dads and I'll feel this weird emptiness. I used to feel sad seeing that but now it's mainly just this sense that I have no idea what that experience is like. It's hard to know what I've missed out on because I've never had it in the first place. The only true constant in my life has been the love and kindness of God my Father. God's unceasing love for me he loved me before he made me he loved me 2000 years ago when he sent Jesus to save me and secure my adoption he loves me now as he works all things for my good but it is different God doesn't replace the dad that I didn't really have There's, there's something less tangible about it less obvious which speaks more to my own limitedness than the limits of God's love but not having a perfect earthly father hurts and it can't be swapped out for a heavenly father it doesn't take away the pain but it helps me put the pain in perspective the world is broken but god didn't leave me scars will remain but god will wipe away every tear i thank god that i've experienced pain in my life because now i have a special appreciation of god's merciful tender unconditional love. There's one story. Story number two. In year 12 I crashed my car. I wasn't hurt but I was shaken and straight away my first instinct was to call Dad. I knew that he wouldn't get angry and condemn me. I I knew that he would drop everything to come and I knew that he'd know what to do and he did. I've never once doubted, doubted Dad's love for me. He tells me of course but more than that he's always shown me No matter how busy he was, he was never too busy for me. I love that I know he wants relationship with me. Of course, he's not perfect, uh, but he's been consistently patient, wise and gentle. Growing up, he was my protector, provider, advisor and role model. He could be scary when he was angry, his face would go all white, but he was usually right. (laughs) And when he wasn't, he would come and apologise. He's humble like that. He was always the first one up unpacking the dishwasher after reading his bible and he was always the first one to bed last one to bed drying the dishes and turning off the lights he was a servant i used to fight a lot with my sisters and one time he came and had a chat with me about it and he said i needed to be kind to them because they would they would be in my life longer than anyone else and every year that passes i'm more i more and more realize how right he was in fact lots of the things that we argued about the rules that we had well now i think he was right i think that has helped me to trust God when I don't understand what's going on. I've learned that sometimes as the child we just don't get it but the good and loving Father is seeking my good. And so yeah I'm really thankful because it's meant I've never found it hard to picture God as a good loving Heavenly Father and if I imagine God has been a better version of my dad then I'll know that he always has time for me. He'll always want to hear from me. He won't rush to condemn me and beat up on me. And just like I knew my dad loved and accepted me, I can easily picture and believe the acceptance and welcome and smile God has towards me because of Jesus. My Father God is full of forgiveness. My Father God is wise. My Father God wants what's best for me. He's my protector. He's my provider, my role model. It feels good to know that He is big and I'm small. I can come to him as his child i don't have to be the powerful one i can curl up in his arms and let him be the strong one friends no matter what your experience of your earthly father has been it is such a good thing to know this god as your heavenly father now if you haven't come to him if you haven't found this god and and had that welcome back and forgiveness in jesus there's seriously nothing better now if you're someone who's still checking these things out you've got questions that need answering and all that kind of stuff sure absolutely chase down your questions and think through the things you have to think through Uh, a great way you can do that is chase down the life series which is up online leon mentioned it in his video go on our church website find the life series and there's a bunch of stuff that'll be helpful to think through find answers to your questions sure but when all is said and done don't miss out on this don't miss out on this incredible treasure come to know this god as your heavenly father it's seriously the best thing now christians for those who have come back to this god if you're in christ friends continue to enjoy the wonderful privilege that is already yours assurance of god's love for you confidence in prayer the hope of a future inheritance that can't be touched. All of that is yours now. <laughs> Going back to J.I. Packer, that guy I quoted earlier, he says that this truth of having God as your father is a truth that you should live your life by. When you get out of bed in the morning, it's the thing to remind yourself of. He says, Remind yourself of this daily. Here's his quote He says, I'm a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home every day is one day nearer my savior is my brother and every christian is my brother too what a privilege to be in the family of god let's pray father more than anything we're simply thankful Uh, we didn't earn any of this we didn't deserve it but the gifts you've given us are so wonderful We thank you for the confidence that we can have as your children the assurance that we know that you love us that you are for us our father please help us to treasure the position we have as children of the living god help us to live in honor of you who's been so generous in so many ways amen